hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to No Chick Flick Moments. I'm your co-host, Remy. And I'm your other co-host, B. Welcome to our Supernatural Watchcast. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi, B. We are neck deep in season one. Hello, Remy. Yes, we are. Season one, episode 16. Today, we are talking about Shadow. Shadow moon shadow moon. i think i did that same joke at the end of last week's episode oh well it's fine we're I, allowed to recycle i only know one one song with the word shadow in it with some That's prominence one more than me <laughs> <laughs> apparently so shadow episode 16 season one welcome let's get into it yes give me the deets this was an episode that was written by Eric Kripke, and it was directed oh by God. Kim Manners. Somehow, I forgot that in the minute it took to us to get to it, and like I took psychic damage. Okay. <laughs> what? Kripke? Kripke? Kripke. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. We're fine. Let's continue. We have a Kripke episode today. Okay. Mm, what, you couldn't tell? I honestly put up a psychological wall to prevent <laughs> the damage that happened anyways. <laughs> it was to no effect. Oh, I very much doubt that, B. <laughs> so the original air date for the episode was February 2nd. Um, No. February. <laughs> We're going backwards in time since I'm pretty sure last week's episode was the 14th. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Backwards in time. No, the air date was February 28th, 2006. And the synopsis for the episode reads, While investigating a mysterious death in Chicago, Sam and Dean run into Meg, who is thrilled to see Sam again. The brothers soon discover Meg is behind the murders and attempts to catch her. Gotta catch them all. Unfortunately, Meg is one step ahead of them and unleashes shadow spirits on the brothers to ambush them. Sam and Dean realize the trap isn't for them, but for their father. I mean, that was a more condensed synopsis than we usually get. Yes, yes. Only six lines this time. Yeah, he didn't take us through all the ins and outs of plot. Hmm. He leaves that for us. So... Yeah, we open in Chicago. Yes. There is a waitress named Meredith walking alone, wearing headphones through the alleyways of Chicago. And her music cuts out and a ghostly voice begins whispering her name, the wind rising with it. And a shadow follows her through the alley. She runs to her apartment, locks the door, puts on the alarms, and considers herself safe. Or is she? Dun-dun-dun. Meredith. I actually couldn't take the scene seriously because uh, it just the fact that she was named Meredith just made me think of uh, Meredith Grey from Grey's Anatomy. Thank and you. The, Thank you. The voices that she hears, like her, her, her dead mother's mind ghost whispering her name in the halls of the hospital. (laughs) 
I mean, the main Meredith I think of, too, is Meredith Grey. And I'm like, oh, we're getting the next season soon. And then, wait, wait a second. We're watching Supernatural. No, she's in danger. <laughs> Meredith. Ooh, spooky Halloween. <laughs> and, B, both you and I have spent some time in our lives uh, living in Chicago. I, I yeah. kind of liked this episode. I was like, oh, look. I, uh, yeah. As soon as it said it was set in Chicago, I was like, aw, I'm fond. I mean, I know it's not actually happening in Chicago, but yay, instantly fond. I wonder, do you think that they filmed it in Chicago? Because it seemed to me, just by the architecture of the buildings, I wouldn't have been surprised. I was kind of like, that looks like Chicago. I mean, I personally don't think they would do an on-location episode, but fuck if I know. (laughs) Well, when they, I'm thinking of um, Bloodlines, the backdoor yes. pilot from season nine, uh, and and that episode was set and filmed in Chicago. I was that's fair actually in Chicago at the time, and they were on campus filming. Oh my for gosh. for this show that I had never fucking seen before. But <laughs> yeah, you're like who the fuck are these weirdos? And then hindsight you're like, "Oh damn, I know these weirdos." They were blocking my building B. I'm like, I got to go all the way around the cl- the fucking the courtyard to get to the side door. Come on, man. Be responsible there, CW. But I, you know, I can't think of the show in Chicago without thinking of my, you know, brush against greatness if you want to call it that sorry blood <laughs> r.i.p blood brush lines. against bloodline yeah. <laughs> okay i digress yes so, we're Mer- we're in cozy country for both of us here but this poor chick somehow she can afford a security system it's fine she goes over to her answering machine and starts listening to the messages left while she was out on her shift and one of them there's a person like setting her up on a blind date and being like i swear he's not gonna rip your heart out and this just happens as the shadow on the wall rips her heart out what what cute what what did i text you like I texted you within the first three minutes of this episode, watching it for the first time uh, on this rewatch. I said every single line of this episode is a different flavor of subtle as a punch to the face. Yes, exactly. And like, I immediately was like, I'm not a trained psychologist. I'm not a social worker, but I am Kripke's therapist. And the next 43 minutes are dedicated (laughs) to me just trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with this man. (laughs) Everything about this episode. Like, I saw a post today that was describing, you know, just what the fuck was going on with Sam and Dean in, in season one. You know, what... What was the goal? Were we supposed to be enamored with Sam and detest Dean? And it's just, there's this nice guy mentality written all over Sam and Dean, particularly in this episode. It just, I go insane. I It makes me unhinged. Which is, which is so funny because this is Sam's like least nice guy episode of the series so far. Yeah. But don't worry, he's a Kripke stand-in, so he is a nice guy, we swear, guys. I mean, nice guy TM, so, uh-huh. you know, you, you're getting exactly what you expect. 
And it is so wild because just how much we seesaw on the Dean, like, Mm -hmm. perspective. Mm -hmm. Dean, this episode is like, I only think with my erection. (laughs) And then he's also like, I just want my family to be together. And like, I know my brother is growing up and I don't want him to leave me. I don't want to be alone. And I'm just like, I'm going to kill Kripke. (laughs) Meredith gets nah, fridged. Fridged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The spooky Halloween, spirit of Halloween mascot kills her on the wall. Oh my god, I hate you. I was going to make that joke later in the episode. Same hat. The Same sp- hat. <laughs> the spirit Halloween dollar store. Yes. <laughs> ghoul wall hanging decoration that they throw at a camera the companion book was like they had multiple costumes with various levels of flowiness just so that they could decide what they wanted for the spooky halloween ghosts on the wall and i'm like and this is what you settled on (laughs) god bless america i'm just saying it was so it was so funny you mean like I legitimately, until my second rewatch, and I saw that there was some sort of, um, you know, costuming going on just by the 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 movements of the shadows. I legitimately thought that it was just a Halloween decoration. <laughs> they just have like a ghost kite that they're blowing in the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cast cast in front of a floodlight. To get the shadow and just on a fucking on a fucking string, you know the the boom the boom boy. He just was holding the the spirit uh uh ghoul decoration on a string and just waving it around the set. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> yes. They they spend the episode being like, we had to figure out how to make like these nice clean walls and how to pivot the action and stuff, oh and boy. we're just like. It's a balloon man selling cars down the street, now attacking and killing people. <sighs> We're fine. Spooky. This is the first scene. Spooky. Spooky, spooky. She dead. And it is time to return one week later with Sam and Dean dressed, or I should say disguised as security alarm people. I've never found them helpful in my life. <laughs> well, the, the the landlord agrees with you, B. I mean, t- to be fair. <laughs> yes, the PF alarm system technicians. And mm-hmm. uh, Dean is complaining about these fruity costumes that he has to wear. Yeah, he's gone above and beyond the call of duty and defending his masculinity here, being like, Dad never had us wearing costumes. And then making a point of how Sam used to be in theater productions in school. And what are we supposed to be concluding from this? I do not know. <laughs> Kripke, what do you think? <laughs> Kripke? Kripke, what are your thoughts about high school drama? Did you feel emasculated by it? Uh, speaking of, I meant to go look up our town because yeah, I guarantee. Actually, I wasn't just gonna look up our ta- town. I was going to um, Google Eric Kripke High School Production Our Town. <gasps> Give me a minute. I'm gonna do it right fucking now. <laughs> because I was sure, I was certain something would come up. 
Because this is Sam, and Sam is Kripke's special boy. Yeah, that's a good call. We should definitely find out what Kripke did in high school that caused such irreparable damage. D- Dean is Derek from gym class. And and Kripke's really sticking it to him here. Yeah. I mean, he's spouting off a lot that is just doubling down on this whole idea that he doesn't like to wear costumes, which we know is a total fat lie. True. I didn't even think about that. Just think of how excited he gets when he gets that serape in season six and he gets to dress up like a cowboy. Like, he has his whole fucking life just in that moment. I... We... Someone... Someone with talent needs to give this line here dad never made us wear any stupid costumes and and then gift set every time that dean gets dressed up for the job and relishes in it yeah like when he's with charlie and he's larping season 14 mint condition where he's playing an insurance adjuster and like absolutely geeking out with the glasses like this boy likes to dress up he really does give him a cardigan and he lives (laughs) so okay yeah we have some theater digs here and then we are in meredith's apartment And we get this shot showing that the chain had to be cut on the door and we find out from the landlord that it was days before anyone discovered she was dead because everything seemed like she was fine from the outside. Yeah, and it was actually the landlady herself that was the one to find Meredith because she hadn't shown up to work. Uh, They called and the landlady, uh, yeah, like... Like she says, and was highlighted when they first entered into the apartment, they had to cut the chain off the damn door to even get in. There was no no overturned furnitures, no broken windows, no, mm-hmm. nothing, no signs of a struggle, nothing out of place. The boys are asking these questions, and the landlady just says, no, everything was completely undisturbed, perfect condition, except for Meredith. Yeah, she's around the room in pieces. Like, excellent detail. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So Sam and Dean excuse her, and then they begin scanning the room themselves. They have their EMF reader out. It's pinging, and Dean has spoken with an officer of the law named Amy, and has apparently spent a night being a little floozy with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like from it, <laughs> right? Sam, something, something along the lines of. So, what did you learn from talking with that police officer? Oh, she's a Sagittarius, loves tequila, a cute little tattoo. Okay, too much detail. What? Kripke, Kripke. What are? How do you really feel about men who are able to just easily connect with women and be sexually experienced at a level that, like, you just seem to be insecure about? Kripke, for the amount of doing, for the amount of lines dedicated to exactly that, be yeah. I don't think you're too far off. It could have just been, yeah. So I spoke to this really nice. XYZ at the station and found out this. But no, it's she's got a tramp stamp and she likes the Oh yeah, where was I? Where's my head at? Oh right, we're on a job and a woman is dead in front of me. Yeah. Blood everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> B, you said Zed. <laughs> 
I'm like disappointed. I always prided myself on liking Z better, but I mean, indoctrination got the better of me. <laughs> so, so what, um, uh, what Dean did find out, you know, largely everything that's public knowledge at this point, but with, uh, one interesting detail, Meredith's heart was missing. Yeah. So right away, they're like, well, could it be a werewolf? But Sam's like, well, no, because the lunar cycle indicates. Like, no. So what is it then? And this is the time where Dean goes full Dexter and starts doing (laughs) blood spatter analysis, which I think is just bonkers that this is what he comes up with. But what the fuck kind of connects the dot connect the dots is he playing? It's hilarious. Sam, go get me some masking tape. And then and then it, Dean starts to cut uh, I, I, I can't even call it connecting to the dots, but whatever. Connecting the dots on these blood splatters and then yeah. stands up. We got we got the dramatic mu- music, we got the close-ups, we're like full CSI, and then he stands up, steps back and says you recognize that symbol? And we look down at the carpet. There are multiple blood splat- spatters that he just apparently didn't think were part of the p- bigger picture. No, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's like, mm, I don't think I'm going to connect the line there. It doesn't look like dramatic enough. This, this looks intense. And yeah, yeah. So they, they, there is the symbol that Dean has outlined through the blood splatters on the carpet, and it is a circle with two branching arms um, moving, you know, kind of opposite directions. Anyways, it's this little symbol. And Dean asks if Sam had ever seen it before. Sam says no. But now we have a lead because this totally means something. Right? So we should go and investigate it right away, right? Wrong. Let's go to the bar where Meredith worked. Or at least Dean does. And he's chatting up the bartender. Again, his erection is doing all the thinking for him at this time. Yeah, I do gym I, I, I do gym three times a week. I'm like, this boy, I mean, I do believe you do cardio, but do we gotta lay it on so thick? Kripke, why are you so, so threatened by this behavior (laughs) no it was the bartender the woman and she is just you know eyes only for dean chest laying against the fucking countertop and she's like she's doing her job like completely but she's like Mm -hmm. no no i'm a gymnast yeah yeah i'm here i'm here every day i'm fine (laughs) i'm fine we have to see this for some reason Mm mm-hmm So Dean is just hitting on everything he can think of. And he only stops because he sees Sam arrive. And when they reconvene, it's like, what intel did you get? Well, not a lot. Meredith waited tables here. By all accounts, she was normal. And Sam says he hasn't found anything on the symbol yet either. But the guy who died... The first death in Chicago here, um, it was in an identical fashion, um, but there's no connection between him and Meredith. Completely different lives, never crossed paths as far as they can tell. Yeah. Yeah. So that seems to be a dead end. And yeah. and Sam, Sam is also um, 
trying to keep Dean on track to say, you know, come on, come on, join me in the here and now. Stop thinking with your with your downstairs brain. Yeah. And like, did you get any facts or just her number? No, 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 I got no, yeah, yeah, I got her number. Yeah, and then just... like just again, we're writing Dean very intentionally this episode as just being this I don't know obnoxious he's not focused on the job he's being an irritant to sam so when we see sam recognize a face in the crowd in this scene and when he goes over to meet meg as we find out and she's delighted to see him um when dean shows up it's we're, I guess, supposed to be primed to be agitated with him as well because Meg just starts laying into him hard. Yeah, yeah. So Dean, uh, so Sam r- recognizes and approaches Meg. It is Meg, and they are both equally surprised to be seeing each other in this unexpected place because wasn't Meg headed to California? And, oh, you know, I, I, I went, I saw, I conquered, met Chad Michael Murray in a bar, uh, but the whole thing got old, so I'm living here now. Sam, how are you? And, and as they're having this conversation, Dean just approaches and, and he's hovering a little bit behind Sam and he, he's, you know, I, I, I guess it was supposed to be read as like inserting himself in the conversation, but he was really just like, oh, I mean, I don't know. He was really just, uh, you know, there with Sam because Meg herself was like, oh, you're here with friends? Where are your friends? Uh, Dean, literally six inches from Sam's shoulder. Hi. Hi. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's me. Yeah. Sam's like, I'm in the city visiting friends, but they're not here right now. Don't don't (laughs) think of this as strange. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah, but um, but like you said, when uh Sam doesn't introduce Dean, uh Dean tries to call attention and uh, to himself, uh, but Meg is just, dude, like we're having a conversation here. What do you want? Yeah, and like very prescient for the time, being like, cover your mouth. <laughs> Yeah, Dean's kind of taken aback by that whole introduction, or lack thereof, and once Meg finds out, oh, this is your brother, Dean, um, she just starts calling him out and saying, you know, stop dragging Sam around like he's luggage. And I'm like, what kind of line is this? Okay. Yeah, real, real, real nice, the way that you treat your brother. I'm just like, Kripke, are you having the imaginary girl defend younger version of yourself (laughs) who you want to bang this girl but also kind of not because you're virtuous not like your slutty slutty (laughs) self-insert not even self-insert i shouldn't even the 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 han solo to your luke skywalker yeah yeah the man whore to your nice guy yeah the man whore to your nice guy Hmm. hmm so dean's kind of like oh okay I'm going to go get a drink now. Yeah. He calls out how awkward it is and then just goes to the bar. (laughs) And then 
Meg is talking to Sam and she's like, oh, I'm so angry, like, on your behalf, I'm sorry, but, like, you just shouldn't put up with it and someone should be defending you and, like, blah, 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 like, that level of involvement on this guy that she met once. Yeah. Yeah. And Sam's yeah. saying, oh, no, well, you know, he means well. Anyways, tell me more about you. Yeah. And, like, really pointed questions of what's your phone number? What's your last name? Um, finding out where she's from. And it read as weird to me. I, like, didn't follow at all that Sam would be suspicious of her in this moment. For me, personally. But I guess Kripke's special boy is very intuitive and he knows something strange is afoot here. I kind I liked... I kind of liked it. Um, or I at least like how Jared played it or how mm-hmm. how the dialogue was written because you say pointed questions and they were uh they were there were questions questions with a point yeah. but still being sm- very smoothly inserted into the flow of conversation so so like we didn't know that he was actually gathering actionable information about who this meg masters Mm -hmm. of of um anchorage michigan is uh until uh sam and dean leave the bar after extracting a promise from meg that they're gonna you know hook up hang out soon uh but when they leave the bar sam says no that was weird because yeah it's just weird to me that she would be here here of all places i met her once and then she shows up here at the bar where the woman that we're investigating was brutally murdered by some supernatural entity i don't know this just feels off to me yeah and i totally agree that like it was well written in that it wasn't obvious like it wasn't as subtle as a brick through a window Mm -hmm. um but i guess where it snags for me is the fact that he was doing that information gathering wasn't clear enough to me on the initial watch it genuinely just felt like oh you know they're chatting and he didn't seem suspicious in that situation or maybe I personally would just not be suspicious because I'm like, you met someone who is traveling on the road, hitchhiking, you know, sporadic locations in mind, and then you happen across them again. And the only defense that I am getting that is telling me that this isn't normal or this isn't just a coincidence is you have the characters explicitly say we don't have coincidences in our lives and i'm like i feel the writing in that moment right right Uh, i i i i thought that this was very very much a slytherin sam moment and i really liked it because Mm -hmm. he didn't seem suspicious when he was having the conversation with um with meg in the bar but when he later reveals like no i'm not getting a good feeling uh, on this retro like the retrospective on it like oh he was deliberately like playing her in this moment it was Mm -hmm. very slytherin i love i liked it yeah I'll totally agree with that. Like, it is a very Slytherin thing. I think, just, again, it's me getting personally hung up on it, where it felt like 
the intent behind the scene wasn't clear enough for me. If there was something like Sam was frowning and then said to Dean, like, wait a second, and then goes over and his face changes when he Uh goes to meet Meg, those type of things would help clue me in as, you know, this is the second time I've watched the episode and I don't remember the first time that this is what is actually coming from this conversation. The initial time it feels like, oh, you know... What a happy coincidence. And then she's spending her time defending him. And then they kind of part ways. I just wanted a little more foreshadowing, I guess, that this didn't feel right to Sam. Uh, that That's fair. That's fair. If it was yeah. a little bit more deliberate, then it would yeah. have been even more impactful that he was being so sly. Yeah, I think, yeah, that basically sums up where I'm getting a little nitpicky about this particular scene. (laughs) Well, Meg is just thrilled to see him. And like I said, she makes sure to make Sam promise that uh, that they're going to meet up while Sam's in town since uh, Meg is staying here for a little while. And, you know, Sam's got her number, so he's got no excuse. Yeah, you better call it. And Mm -hmm. there's a little flirting with Sam smiling at her. But then, like you said, once they're outside the bar, Sam is admitting that it was weird to see her again. And Dean is not at all focused. Again, Kripke, why are you doing this? Instead, he is asking what Meg was saying about him. You know, was Sam bitching about me behind my back? And is there any truth to what she was saying, that Dean keeps him against his will on the road, like a piece of luggage? Yeah, yeah. And and Sam's like, no, look, you're, no, you're not keeping me against my will. Don't be ridiculous. Look, listen. This Focus, doesn't, yeah. Th- yeah, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. It just doesn't, doesn't feel like, uh, it, it, it feels like our kind of weird. Yeah, we don't randomly run into the same person twice. It can't be a coincidence. There's something about this girl. Mm-hmm. And so he asks Dean if he can go check into a Meg Masters that lives not in Anchorage, in Andover, Massachusetts. And I took a running stab at it. I mean, you should see my attempt at spelling Massachusetts. <laughs> I'm like, America, what did you do here? <laughs> America, explain. America, explain. And and Dean, and Dean is saying, hey, you know, maybe she's not a suspect. Maybe you just don't know what feelings are. Maybe you've got a thing for her. I'm like, Dean, what the fuck? Why why is that the leap that you make? Yeah. And again, I'm like getting, uh, I just, I'm like, I want to be a therapist for a second. Cause I'm like, Sam has lost his girlfriend that he was in love with enough that he wanted to marry her. We had in episode seven, the victim that he was standing outside watching through the window. <laughs> she comes out and sees him. He's got a shotgun on him. And still it gets to the point where like, they're going to kiss within that episode and now here we are again with sam being the virtuous widower let's just say and having either this 
manic pixie dream girl that comes out of nowhere that now his brother's convinced, oh, no, you actually like her and you should hook up. And like, that's going to be a totally normal thing for me to be thinking of while we're on a case and while your girlfriend's dead and while you're on a vengeance path to try and avenge her. And having Sam still be the virtuous, no, that's not what this is about, Dean. Get your head in the game. I need to know what's really happening here. Like, yeah. it's all, it's, it is a choice. Yeah. We are seeing some choices happen here. Very similar vibe as with Route 666, where the entire episode, Sam was just like, oh, yes. so did you fuck her? I'm like, this yeah. is a totally normal thing Yeah, that brothers do, apparently. I mean, I do not know what this dynamic looks like in real life. Mm. But it again, it's strange with the juxtaposition of you are on a case, people are dying, this is what you're supposed to be focused on. But then this whole episode is just like, are you gonna fuck her? Are you gonna fuck her? Did you try and fuck her? Well, no, I did fuck her, but she did give me this information. And it's just like, what is happening? <laughs> that's a good This is that's where all the pussy it. went in supernatural. <laughs> It was the concentrated extract in episode 16, season one. And then they were like, oh, shit, we used too much of it. We have to dilute it through the rest of the seasons. Mm. That's that's a good that's a good summary of where we're at right now. I will say. Yeah, this is what's happening. Hmm. Dean is going to go research Meg. He's going to research the symbol. And Sam is going to stand vigilant, watch over Meg outside of her window. In a sexy question mark, question mark, question mark. In a sexy way though, right? Right, Sam? But also in like a dutiful way. He's noble, right? Oh my god. So we cut to Dean on the laptop. He is giving Sam a call. And yeah, you know, Meg Masters, that's a real person in Massachusetts. And so if she seems like she checks out, why don't you go fuck her? And Sam's, no, stay focused. We're on a case. Okay, so now the symbol, it's a Zoastrium, predates Christianity. And it's a sigil for basically demonic pit bulls, these shadowy demons named Devas. Yes, the demons of darkness. Ancient and powerful and savage and, you know, known to bite the hand that feeds them. So if someone's summoning them, then they better know what they're doing. Right. They they have to be. They don't just exist in the world. They have to be summoned. And, you know, ergo, they must be being controlled. And whatever this is, or who whoever this is, they must be a big player because it would to to try to put a leash on something this old and this powerful. It's no small thing. Yeah, it's a dangerous situation that they find themselves in, and finding out who is responsible for summoning the deva becomes the next critical point. But we have to take a little sidestep here to be like, Dean, you read? How did you find this out? Hey, hey, you know, Sam, you don't have a corner on paper chasing around here. Oh, yeah? Name the last book you read. Oh, my God. Mm, I think it was I think it was a Playboy. Probably. 
Probably. But no, actually, it's time for Dean to confess that he actually called one of dad's contacts, Caleb, and then he was the one who got the answer about the symbol and how Davas are summoned and controlled and all of that jazz. Yeah. So points for effort, Dean, but you don't know how to crack a book. We needed to get someone that we've never met before to do it for you. Yeah. So, yeah, I I guess that's all the research we're going to be doing for the night. So go give that gal a strippogram. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's happening. Except Sam gets his own private strippogram. Well, yeah, because the hero has to be tempted, but then prove his virtue. Mm. Because when the light comes on in Meg's apartment and she conveniently starts redressing in the window, um... Sam is torn whether he should be looking you know she could turn into a monster with my eyes shut so I better keep them peeled (laughs) but a passerby knocks on the car and calls him a pervert for watching and I'm like correct but why are we lampshading this just to prove no I'm I can't I can't keep going down that I've said enough and and Sam is uh summarily chastised but Uh, Meg is not done for the night. She exits her building. She is walking like she's on a mission and she crosses the street, does not see Sam. Uh, or the in- Impala. <laughs> hey, she doesn't know what the Impala is. Uh, so Sam has ducked down behind the dash and uh, he is ready to follow. Uh, tail Meg, see where she leads while leaving the Impala windows down in the rain? Question mark. Yeah, and like he didn't stop to lock it, so <laughs> it's fine. It's Chicago. There's no type of burglary or theft there. Yeah, safest city in the world. Hmm. So he's following her on foot through the rain. And she heads to this graffiti-covered door that seems to enter into this abandoned warehouse. It's very dark inside, and so Sam lurks around, following after her. The door to the stairwell presumably is locked, so it is time for him to show off his physical prowess, and he's going to climb the elevator shaft in this location. I know you know how to pick a lock, Sam. How, how, how did you think? The lock had buttons. It had five buttons, and how are you going to crack that? Oh, my God. Yeah. How did you think that climbing the elevator shaft was the right idea? I just He's like four floors up. We have an extended scene of watching this stuntman parkour up the elevator <laughs> staff, shaft. And I just imagine uh, Meg leaning against one of those columns in the in the fourth floor room, just fucking filing her nails, reading a book, waiting yes. for Dean, uh, waiting for Sam to struggle his way up. I mean, you have the equivalent of a long cardboard tube here, and you're climbing, rattling around on metal, and you're telling me acoustically, not a peep. Not a whisper of a sound happens between you on the ground floor being like, time to show some muscle and parkour my way up there. It's not reasonable. This is sneaking. This is sneaky. Yes. yes he rolled a stealth check and he really good at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So at the top of the elevator shaft, he is spying through the grate and he sees Meg with a black altar. And it includes her blood chalice mobile phone, which she is telling not to come. The brothers are here. But um, before the conversation can complete, she's cut off. Just with a, yes, sir, I'll be here waiting for you. Yeah. And she exits the room. Yeah. We're going to just leave all of that set up there. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And giving Sam opportunity to exit the uh, elevator shaft and examine the black altar uh mm-hmm. we see some spooky things some black candles some blood symbols one of which is the uh deva summoning symbol the uh the tempest little looking icon mm-hmm. and also there is a tarot card the prophet which has a specter of death on it and uh the 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 deva symbol as well yeah, we're really leaning into this whole tarot cards have symbolism in it that was introduced during episode 12, Faith. I mean, bless these people for finding such specific tarot decks, <laughs> especially because the prophet isn't a card, but maybe it's a different <laughs> translation. Here we are. Here we are. Sam returns to the uh, motel and uh, he and dean both uh, have news to share dude i have something to tell you no you first no you first no I mean, anyways that was exactly what i wrote down <laughs> i'm like a little goosebumpy <laughs> we're just like on it this episode yeah we're making total sense <laughs> yes Yes. I so, think I think this but, podcast is dangerous for us for starting to become one. Again, just one hat. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the other dog? <laughs> Look, Meg, it was Meg. Meg was the murderous bitch all along. Oh my god. Sammy, I hate to tell you, but your girlfriend's a bitch. <laughs> uh... Next time you want to have sex with someone, go with someone a little less bat crazy. God. Like, truly. I was like, Kripke, did you write this with, like, one hand in your pants? You're like, yeah, (laughs) this is what normal boys talk about. Just boys being boys. Just brothers being brothers. And there's a girl in the room, and it's time for her to straddle her victims. Yeah. Okay. Heavy breathing. And, like... Okay, sidebar, but reading through the companion book for this episode, and it's like, the guys are talking about, you know, it's the family reunion, it's really important, this episode's got everything. And then the director and, like, the more um, people on crew are talking about the technical aspects of it, and then the poor actress playing Meg is just like, that scene was so hard for me, because... 
They're tied up. They are stuck in location. It's up to me to emote. I'm constantly having to turn my head, climb over one, climb to the other, keep my balance, like all of this stuff. She was just like, this scene like took so much to get done correctly. And like she does a damn good job. And I'm like, why did it have to be kneeling on the floor so that you could straddle Sam? Like why? Why did it have to be that? Yeah. Yeah, she did do a damn good job, but I could, I could see, yeah, I'm not, I was just now thinking, now that you mentioned the, like, acoustics of that damn room, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Meg. But we're not there yet, we're still in the motel room, and between the two brothers wanting to talk, Sam goes first, revealing what he found about Meg and the Deva and the chalice she used to communicate with. So, you're like a bad girl, huh? Oh my god, my eyes are rolling into the back of my skull like bowling balls. Guys, I'm not even, like, making this up. These are actual lines in the actual show, and there are that many of them. It's so many. And, like, this is also the episode where they have the landlady be like, it's about as useless as boobs on a man. And I'm like, don't disparage man's titties in front of me, Kripke. Like, ugh. So much is just coming out, pen to paper. Like I said, I'm just fascinated by this peek into what Kripke thinks is macho, what he thinks is chivalrous, what all of this is trying to tell us in the story, and why. Like, why are these two things being juxtaposed together right now? It's just so curious. I... We should do, like, an NCFM special on the boys, because I will bully you into watching it, and you think this you, is you... wild? Oh my god, no. I Honestly, I'm taking psychic damage just thinking about <laughs> what is going to happen when I watch, not if, when I watch the boys. I have to get caught up, because I'm going to see Jensen's sh- soldier boy. It might be something I regret, but it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, my God. Listeners, uh, aid me in bullying B into watching the boys. ASAP. <laughs> oh, as if Tumblr didn't bully me enough showing me Carl Urban, Keith Urban's nostril hairs. <laughs> so much that one day. Oh, God. The one day they had, like, a properly sponsored ad, and it was Mr. Urban's nose from the boys. <laughs> I uh, hope you missed that day. I, I think I did. I Or or I didn't, I, I didn't get to witness all the memes that came out of the nostril hairs. I mean, I don't know if there was much or if it was just the psychological scarring that got woven into the tapestry that is Tumblr. <laughs> like, it was just a bunch of... And we're like, oh, it looks like we have a new pattern to say we got fucked. However briefly. Oh, man. It's very, it's very funny, I will say, to be watching this, these, these Kripke written episodes from 2005 in the same year. 2021 that i i've seen the boys and oh kripke oh baby oh baby you have not you have 
not Baby, evolved. what you doing? <laughs> not evolved as much as you probably have thought that you had. I mean, some evolution to be sure, but when you start with two feet in a hole, like that, that you got to step out of that just to get onto ground level. That's neither here nor there. This really isn't the episode of like Bash Kripke. It's just like the man is a little insect and I'm just like this episode makes me want to pin his wings and just be like answer for your crimes. <laughs> B. B. You know, this this episode isn't about bashing Kripke, but I literally want him to crush him like an insect. Okay. <laughs> that is what you just said. No, not crush him. Make him answer for his crimes. <laughs> I just want to understand how the thoughts get put together in the string where you're like, yeah, I'm going to type this up and I'm going to give it to others and I'm going to make actors act it out and I'm going to make a director and a boom guy and all the cameramen and everything witness this happening and then we're going to edit it and we're going to put it on television and we're going to make millions of other people watch it too. Like, I just want that level of bravado. I just want that level of, like, <laughs> pulling something out of my, like, here's my psychosis world, and then giving it to the world, and be like, anyways, I'm gonna go on and make the boys now. And just being like, how, how are you not, like, flayed open by this? How are you not eviscerated by the thought of, like, because I know you're not sitting there and being like, no, I'm completely detached from this. I pulled a Mitski. I'm a storyteller. I know that's not what's happening here. So what is it? Like, we're, we're I'm giving too much time to this, but it <laughs> honestly, like, it feels like a compulsion. Like, I feel like you could write a short horror story that is just about this man being a little bug. And I'm just like, I just want answers. <laughs> I love it. I'm it. a little tired, so my metaphors are not on par with maybe some of the ones I've done in the past. I'm sure I've had one or two good ones in the past, but this just feels Kafka-esque, and I'm going to say that without a full understanding of the word besides it means bugs involved, and I'm like, yes, Kripke is Kafka-esque in this moment. I, I, all I can think of is the uh, Jesse Eisenhower m meme that's... you mean? As in written by Kafka. Anyways, that might not be the same thing. <laughs> I'm like Jesse Eisenhower. Eisenberg. Eisenberg. I'm still. I'm not crazy. That's his name. Fuck him. Okay. Shh. Hold on. Oh, for some reason, I was conflating Jesse and Heisenberg from Breaking Bad. I mean, I probably said. <laughs> jesse heisenberg so i'm sure you didn't i was just like jesse eisenberg is not an actor from the social <laughs> network and zombie land he is the fucking merged form of breaking bad and we've gotten so far off tangent here i don't know what's happening anymore <laughs> i think i think we've lost the plot b we lost the plot okay we lost so the plot Okay, so Sam was just like, Meg is answering to somebody. Who is it? We need to figure this out. Maybe it's the demon. Maybe it's the thing that killed mom. And then the reason why it's like, 
tying those two things together is because Dean, his big reveal is that when he went over the victim records in more detail, thanks to his sexy police contact, he finds out that the first two victims were born in Lawrence, Kansas. Yes. And if Lawrence is where this all started... And, you know, what's the tie? But, you know, if this is really the demon, if this is really the big player in everything that's happened, then this is big. Yeah. Not only do we have to check this out, but it's not enough just to stop Meg and the Deva. You know, we could just go in there, trash the altar and interrogate her. But no, we want to know what is going to show up? Who is on the other end of that call? And either way, we could use some help. Da da da. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever this is, I don't think that we should do it alone. Says Mm-mm. Dean. And next we see is Dean uh, leaving a voicemail for John. I think yes. we have a lead on the thing that killed mom. Uh, if if you're anywhere near Chicago, get here as soon as you can. Yeah. He gives the warehouse address in this voicemail and, yeah, asking John to come ASAP, even though he has never done anything like this to the point, to this point in the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, Dean hangs up and Sam's like, voicemail? Yeah. It's a voicemail. That's, that's all you've been getting for six months, guys. Honestly. But it's going to be different this time, we swear. hmm So Sam has come back from the car. He's brought every weapon and exorcism book that he could think of because they just don't know what they're expecting. And Sam and Dean have this kind of quiet moment where they're asking each other if they are nervous. Both are denying it. And Sam ultimately begins entertaining the idea that, you know, they might have found their mother's killer tonight. And what if this whole thing was over tonight becomes the question at hand. Yeah. And I was actually really surprised that, um, like, they didn't explicitly bring up Jess this episode mm-hmm. at all. Well, you can't if he's supposed to be trying to hook up. <laughs> I mean, the only person who does bring up Jess is meg uh yes and taunting sam with it but i was very surprised in this moment because he says he sam says you know what if tonight it was all over what if we actually get the thing that killed mom and i'm like i thought that your whole i mean not your whole driving force here but but the reason you got back in yeah yeah a significant part of it is related to jess but she's just not mentioned here because i guess she served her purpose in episode one and um uh kripke forgot that her name wasn't um jennifer (laughs) instead of jessica i mean i think i think kripke did write her in but then you know the editors cut it because i got the wrong name i'm i'm going to take the most shocking pivot in a five minute span but i'm like it could be the network it could be the network being like we want these boys to fuck and they're like okay well we're gonna make like the horniest (laughs) episode so far without making it like horny and because we're trying to push so hard this romance angle this 
you know, maybe Sam's finally going to hook up and look at Dean, all of his flirtations. Part of that is we need to ignore the fact that Sam is pining over his lost love. And we can't bring up her name without bringing up that specter, then we can't bring her up at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if CB, if it was any other episode but Kripke's episode, and if it wasn't such a hard turn, I'd, Thank you. I'd almost want to believe you. But I needed that. I needed that so bad. <laughs> I didn't want to. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. Single, single take, B. None of this episode is cut. You are listening. I don't have to edit a damn thing. <laughs> Sync it up. Slap on the intro, outro. We're done, baby. <laughs> B and Remy live and unhinged. I'm so tired. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm... I'm so glad you give me that out because I don't want to give the benefit of the doubt here. <laughs> I, I serve. I, thank wait, you. Wait. Thank you. I, 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 I honestly, I'm honestly like close to tears. Just like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> unhinged be unhinged. Unhinged. I apologize to everyone who stopped it out so far. Because we're getting into, like, the emotional scene for me. Because Sam's whole thing of, like, what if it's done tonight? What would you do? And Dean kind of coaxes Sam to go first. And Sam's like, well, I'm going to go back to school, you know? Just be a person again. And I'm like, you said this to your mother-father figure's face. (laughs) I'm going to become a person again. A human being, which you are not. No, no, that's good. Great, great for you. Dude, oh. what's your problem? It's just fine. It's fine. Whatever. Dean, are you fine? I said I'm fine. <laughs> and like he's approaching that question with so much caution because he doesn't want to get ahead of themselves and like think what if it could be done? Because this has been his whole like pivot. Like, yeah. He was the cute little boy who got the sandwiches with the crust cut off of them. And then he was thrown into this life and then he had to raise his brother and he was a kid himself and he tried to do his best, but it wasn't good enough. And now it's just like, no, all of that could be over and you could go back to normal. And he's just kind of like, what is normal? There is no normal. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're right. I'm not a human. Sam asked, what if this whole thing was over tonight? Oh, what would I do? I'd go back to school just be a person and what about but but what about you what do you want for yourself and what what are you going to do when it's over and dean says it's never going to be over there's always going to be another thing to hunt yeah but you have to have something for yourself and sam no you you have to want something for yourself and yeah i do I want you not to want to get away from me as fast as you fucking can. Yeah. And, like, Dean's trying to not get to that point in the conversation. He's trying to, no, great, good for you. You really want to go back? Okay. But Sam senses the tension and he can't let it go. And when he hears Dean's plans, it's like, it's, it's foreign to him that Dean could have a problem with this. Like, the idea that they're going to separate. Yeah. And Dean breaking down a bit and admitting that 
he drags Sam everywhere, like Meg said. Yeah. He, he... Well, like, I, Dean says, I don't want you to want to leave the second this is all over. I, yeah. I, you know, why, why do I drag you everywhere, huh? Why did I come to Stanford in the first place? Yes. It wasn't, you know, yeah, okay, it was part because dad was missing it was part to find the thing that killed mom but i was lonely i i want us i want my family back together again yeah you me and dad i want us to be together again i want to be a family again and that's what he wants but he you're right he didn't want to tell sam that because because he knows that that's not what Sam, that's not what Sam has been expecting through this whole journey. That's, yeah. That's what Dean has been shying away from through multiple episodes uh, and similar conversations through, you know, through the season so far. And if it's not a truth that he wants to have come to light, like... Not only is it now being shone on, but he has to be in this really vulnerable place where he's saying, like, all I want is us to be a family again. Yeah. Like, I use these excuses to get back in your life, and I don't want you to leave the first chance you get. And Sam just, he is being soft in this moment, but also very firm in his own boundaries. Where yeah. He's trying to say to Dean, like, we are a family and I do anything for you, but things are never going to be the way they were before. Like, we're not going to be that image of a family that you picture. And Dean kind of does this soft swallow and it's very reminiscent of when Cassie let him down and he goes, well, you never know. Like, he's doing the same sort of bucking himself up here, being like, no, you know, it could be the way it was before. And it's with this, like, little listless look that he has. But Sam firms up and then says, well, I don't want it to be. Like, I'm not going to live this life forever. And when this is all done, you're going to have to let me go my own way. Yeah. Yeah. When and it's, it's brutal. <laughs> it It is, but it's true. Yep. You know, Sam says, I don't want them to be the same way that they were before. And things to be the same way that they were before. And what does that mean for Sam? And honestly, even for Dean, they're, they're talking pre-Stanford. So Sam and Dean's entire lifetime of it being Sam, Dean, and John in a car on the road, moving from one town to another, mm-hmm. never putting down roots, never making any substantial connections to anything or anybody, and never being normal or safe. And Sam rejected that and he struck out and wanted to do his own thing. And you know what? I'll say it. Just be a person. Mm-hmm. Yep. And not a slave to this duty that was instilled in you from from childhood. That 
you could be more than a soldier. Yeah. But Dean just didn't have that same opportunity. And we've covered it before about the way that Dean sheltered Sam in his upbringing. But mm-hmm. in in doing so, um, there wasn't really anyone to shelter him from the same. So, like... So, when so I inherently, hear... Sam had more opportunity than Dean ever did. Mm-hmm. And, like, when I hear you describing how Sam just wants to set down roots, be normal, all of these things, like, Dean wants those too, but he so wholly embraced this idea that they're helping people, that they're saving people, that they're doing good, that the idea of pursuing that for him feels like he would be betraying or abandoning those people to death. And so no matter how much he wants to do the same as what Sam's describing, um, that sense of duty instilled in him, he just can't go against it. Where Sam can maybe be like, oh, there's always going to be evil out there and we're only going to make a dent. And what is it for one soldier to step away from the battlefield? Yeah. And and we've talked about it before, but Sam is able to Sam is able to say, you know what, I'm going to put myself first in, in, in this part of my life. And he asks Dean, what do you want for yourself? And. Dean can't see it that way. He can't Mm-mm. have anything for himself. He to to do anything that is solely that is just completely selfish and doing it for himself, stepping away from a single hunt. He, it, it it doesn't compete for him. His life is not worth more than any other we saw it in faith we talked about it extensively in faith mm-hmm. the real heartbreaker is that not not only is he a soldier in this endless war but he his entire i self-identity and self-view is is built into that and he and he just sees himself as a completely expendable piece on the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he was shaped into that form. He was trained to put aside his self-wants, to become this selfless soldier. But we're also going to see, like with the Striga episode, that in those moments where he did put himself forward... And try to put his wants first that he would often be punished for it. It's this thing where he was raised and forced not to stray from. We haven't seen the Striga episode yet. Can't cheat like that. But we know. (laughs) Well, you know what is really killing me about this? The, the, The new little piece that just slides into slots into this puzzle of pain it it, it's that dean knows that he has to live his life just giving and giving and giving to the cause but he's lonely in it yes and what he wants he he can't 
seek something out for himself to make that less lonely. What he wants is his brother back in it with him. Yeah. Because then it's a little less lonely. Because he doesn't have those bonds, those connections with people outside the family. So he has two strands that he knows to pull on. And John is the assertive one on that connection. So if John says no, then that's no. So the only one that Dean has any hope of bending to his will is his brother. And it comes at this cost where he's afraid of the resentment that he is inflicting by pursuing this one selfish need. Mm-hmm. Fuck! Fuck! Like... And we know from the skin episode that there were these other things like he could, he wanted to be able to get out the way that Sam did and he just doesn't feel he can. So he is resigned to doing this job and he just hopes he doesn't die alone. Yeah. 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 And and gosh, the more I think about it, the more like almost fucked up it is the more fucked up it is in that he the one selfish thing that he is doing is is trying to claim sam for himself and he has said you know i i'm responsible for sam i have always looked out for him and he's he said that he wants the best for Sam, which this is, you know, having him back in the middle of the things in the hunt, a, a soldier in this war, that's not the best thing for Sam, mm-hmm. but it's the only thing that Dean could, could, could ask for that doesn't, so so I think that what I'm saying is it's just crazy that his this um this core concept of himself as the only thing I am or can ever be is a hunter and I am going to die for the cause and this is my life it it even surpasses his 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 need to keep sam safe yeah because the only way he doesn't think he doesn't think you know i could i could be i could be out of it i could still be with sam and we could both be out of it no the only option is if we're both in it that's the only way we could be together and and that's anyways that's I mean, a thing fuck <laughs> like he's so fragile he's so this is the only way he knows how and he is so reactive to it like he doesn't have the capacity to pause to think about it to say you know this is what my father instilled in me and this is what I believe and like he just he has no parsing of that 
He's just this vessel for what was instilled in him as he was growing up and accepted it dutifully and did what he could to keep the family he had. And he still is so reactive to that. He doesn't really get the opportunity to be proactive that often, to be the one who makes the decisions. So when he makes a decision like, dad's gone missing and I'm going to go get Sam to help me, that's actually a very big step for him. And like, we do hear that in later episodes about how scared he was, how he thought that Sam was going to reject him how important it was to him to do this, but at the same time, how challenging it was. Just the simple thing of, you know, see my brother in person. Yeah, I would even go so far as to say that some of his defensiveness in this episode, what, so you were smack talking me to this girl? What, do you think that I just drag you along like luggage? Am I keeping you against your will, Sam? I think that a lot of that... (laughs) could easily be read as coming from a place of guilt because the Mm -hmm. one selfish thing that Dean has done was go get Sam and pull him out and bring him back in. And that, that was the ultimate, like most selfish thing that Dean could have done. Yeah. And he's gotten all of this good from it, but at the same time, it's tinged with this guilt of, he doesn't really want to be here and I'm making him be here. Yeah. And any evidence that supports that theory just confirms that that guilt should be there. He deserves it. Yeah. 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 And Sam here, what do you want for yourself? I want you and dad and me together and, you know, back how it, it was. It's all I know. Then- it's all I know. And then Sam saying, I don't want it to be that way. Mm -hmm. So putting out there in very stark contrast how they are on opposite sides of this. Yeah. And, you know, is there any way to bridge it? I know. It's not often you come say hi. Aries? Because I took your bookmark away. Sparta. I took his bookmark away. Time to chew it. Look, we're going to the warehouse, B. What happens at the warehouse? Yes, so we get to the warehouse. Um, Meg is back at her altar and she is chanting. And Sam and Dean have climbed up the elevator shaft to spy on her. Um, Sam does climb out and Dean passes him a gun. They back away, finding more distant cover. But then Meg calls to them without turning around, inviting them to come see her at the altar instead. I I mean, B, they were just so sneaky. I, I, it's very surprising. I, I cannot help but imagine, like, the gun just rang a tang tang banging against the metal in this <laughs> elevator shaft as they're climbing. And she's up there and she's, like, trying not to crack a face. She just keeps on doing her chanting. She's like, I gotta be professional, even if they aren't. and then they get they they both get out of the shaft and hey and they have this very intense scene where they sneak very silently 
and per- yes, yes, uh, it's super stealthy. Over, over to the the crates in the back of the room, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a for effort, but she's completely unfazed by the guns pointing at her. And when Sam tries to interrogate her on who is coming here tonight, she just quips, you. And the Deva attacks them both. The Halloween spirit shop ghouls on a string. Yes. Apologies. I forgot the correct reference. (laughs) Come, come from the darkness. Spooky Halloween. And the boys are taken down. Mm Mm-hmm. Sam wakes up, tied up away from Dean, who is also, you know, on one of these pillars, bound and sitting on the floor. Dean calls Sam's girlfriend a bitch. And the whole thing was a setup to get them here. She killed those two people for nothing. And Meg admits that she has killed more for less. So why are they so surprised now? Yes, all of this was to draw you in. And Dean is saying, okay, well, good for you. You you got us here. You've trapped us now. Why don't you just kill us? But, oh, baby, this trap isn't for you. Nope. You're a little slow on the uptake there, Dean, because it's for your father instead. Oh, no, no, no. No, you're a little slow on the uptake, Dean. Cue Sam, <gasps> Dad, because Dean Sam's not so on the uptake. No, he's a special boy. Yeah, yeah, it's for Dad. Oh no. Yeah, sorry, I forgot that it's Sam who puts two and two together here, mm-hmm. and like it leaves Dean to be like, no, Dad wouldn't fall for this. But even if he were in town, he wouldn't be here, and. Meg is saying, well, no, he has a weakness, and it is you boys. He gets sloppy and stupid, and when he's in a hurry to save you, it'll give me a shot to, you know, defeat him. Because I have it on good intel that John is in town. So let's just wait for him to show up, and then the two Davis here will rip them all apart. Yep. I forget what Sam says here, but then Meg turns, now that she has, you know, monologued and revealed her evil plan, she turns her attention to Sam. Mm -hmm. He asks what her motives are, and this is where she says it's the same as them, you know, love and loyalty. And this is where she makes that comment about Jess, and Sam Mm. snarls at her over it, but... She does come close and starts the whole diatribe here about how she crawls into his lap and starts whispering about how they're connected and they could still have their fun. She saw him watching her undress and he liked it and she liked it. So why don't they bone? Right here, right now, let's go. But wait, Sam. Were you just trying to distract me because Dean had a knife that uh, I heard him fiddling with and then threw away across the room, but... Right? 
Right? She's in the middle of seducing Sam, and Sam is just tolerating it. And she's like, the only reason why he is not manhandling me is not because I have him tied up, but because he is buying time for his brother to cut himself free. Um, But Sam is like, "Um, no, I was just tolerating it because I have my own knife to cut myself free. And he headbutts her. And knocks her on her ass. And heads straight to the black altar. Overturns it. And again, the boys don't have to do any dirty deeds. Because the Davis take care of it for them. Yeah. The nice part about overthrowing a black altar is... The thing is so happy that you did that, that it goes after the thing that was bossing it around. So in this instance, even though Sam and Dean are quite vulnerable, it's it's time to go after Meg instead. And they, these shadows, the spirit of Halloween possesses her legs and drags her out the window And she plummets to the ground, um, seemingly dead, when we go and take a look. Yes. Yeah. So, that is, quote-unquote, the end of Meg. Or is it? Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Meg in her killer Kill Bill jacket in this scene. Mm Mm-hmm. I do quite like this jacket a lot. Yeah. In subsequent scenes. Yep. Very good. But that is the end of that cutscene. Yeah. It's gotta be the end of the episode, right? No, no, no. No, no. There's there's four minutes left. Oh my god. And what a four minutes it is. Because we cut back to the motel to find someone is inside the room. And when Sam and Dean flash on the light, it turns out that it is their dad. It's John. Yes looming ominously you know what you know what i just realized there was something familiar about Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. i was seeing when sam and dean enter the room they see this figure standing at the window and it is john in a long dark uh jacket and his collar is turned up and he looks over his shoulder in such a way that just exposes his profile I was like, oh, hardy har. In the three times that I have watched this episode, oh, hardy har har, let's be all dramatic. But it was not until just this moment that I realized this is the exact same, like, silhouette Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we were seeing from John Winchester as uh, the, the pilot episode where we witnessed... Uh, John's figure standing over Dean's crib that was not actually John Winchester. Yes. We're doing an excellent visual callback to the demon. And since that was who um, Sam suspected was on the other end of Meg's call. And so in the darkness, I think you're exactly right. We're getting this visual callback to the pilot where we're meant to suspect that this is a bad figure that has now appeared in their motel room. And when the light turns on and it's revealed that it's actually their father, it's definitely meant to be this psych out where it's like, 
not only is it not the demon, but it is their father for the first time this whole fucking season. In over, well, I shouldn't say over, but in almost a year for them, yeah. they finally see their dad in person. Well, in almost a year for Dean, in yeah. upwards of five years for Sam, yes. presumably. Presumably, yeah. I think we've touched on this about how the timelines are kind of dicey, but um, it definitely has been a long time coming, and Dean is more than ready to hug his dad, and he honestly seems desperate when he's doing this. And when it comes time to say hi to Sam... Um, there's no such reunion. Um, Sam drops his bag, but, um, there still is some distance between them that has to be bridged before they can get to the same level of relief that Dean is experiencing right now. Yeah, yeah. So when they first come into the room and, and B, you didn't even congratulate me for not having to lead the horse to water this time. I, I, I totally made the john azazel connection by myself all by myself not only did you do it all by yourself but like i did not think of it and like (laughs) you saying that i was just like yes that makes complete oh my so yeah remy i'll i did a meta oh my god remy oh my god you did it (laughs) i did a meta it's so good yay i love it I love it. Thank you for that. <laughs> so, so as uh, Dean is greeting uh, John, you're right. Sam is hanging back by the door. Uh, very, very much radiating this uncertainty in where mm-hmm. his place is here. Um, or even how John will react to his presence. So, so... One of the things that struck me, though, before we get to um, to to Sam actually stepping in and having a full family reunion was uh, Dean in greeting John. The first thing he says is, Dad, it was a trap. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. good enough to, to uh, avoid this situation. I'm sorry you had to come here. Yeah, and then rather than comfort Dean or anything like that, it just becomes, yeah, no, I saw it. I was there. I hung (laughs) back and seen the whole thing happen. And then, like, we're going to take separate cars back to the motel. (laughs) That's true. we're going to stand here looming (laughs) in the window. Oh, my God. That, That really got me. That I know I was there. Yeah, just but, in time to see the girl take the swan dive. She was the bad girl. She was the bad guy, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, good. Just double check. <laughs> okay, did, am I the only one or did the synchronized yes, sir, get you yeah. too? That was fucked. That Thank was you. fucked. I mean, just the old knee jerk habit hitting both of them. Like, habit i would say for sam at this point because he's been away for it for a while but oh my god being like yes sir to your dad i don't know that's that's a little fuck to me to me it was just very much an automatic response uh Mm -hmm. in that 
I just don't. I can't spend time extrapolating. But just imagining the kind of trigger that has to exist in you when your father says, right? Yeah. And for them in, like... To have that conditioning... Yes. Just so... Fulfill the end of the sentence for you. Yes. Just so hair trigger, automatic response, especially for Mm -hmm. Sam, who has been removed from his father for Mm -hmm. years at this point. Yes, sir. And just effectively programmed to be an automaton in the moment. Mm -hmm. Love that. It's fucked. But, you know, Dean, I mean, not Dean. Well, yeah, sure. Dean, John, Sam, everyone's teary-eyed. Everyone, the the music is swelling, so this is fine. Yeah, this is really an emotional, heartfelt family moment, right? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't put enough sarcasm into start of my sentence, so I have to spell it out explicitly now. Literally, the first words to his father: "I'm sorry, I screwed up." Yeah. Anyways. And- John just being like, okay, the demon knows I'm here. He knows that I'm going to kill it, not just exercise it. And then Dean being like, how are you going to do it? And John being like, I'm working on it. (laughs) So it's like, I don't know. It's this level of bragging, this grandiose sort of inflation he has to do to what he's doing so that his boys have their blind faith in him like I don't know I don't know there's a lot to this where part of me just genuinely believes that he's like no I'm working on it and it's gonna work out and that's the way it is like there's no doubts involved because he just seems sometimes like he's that level of self-involved and he doesn't need to elaborate because his boys will accept it whatever he says Yeah, Yeah. and, like, he's not going to elaborate because that's just the way it is. I'm keeping you safe by keeping knowledge from you, which is wild. So so Sam is saying, like, Dad, let us come with you. I have to be part of this fight. Mm -hmm. And John is saying, no, no, I can't, you know, this, this demon is dangerous, and... It, it has tried to stop me before. This time it used you to try to get me to stop. But no, you guys can't get caught in the crossfire, even though we just had an entire episode of how you were used against me and caught in the crossfire. Yeah. I'm like, okay, if the thought process is we need to stay separate from dad to keep dad safe, I'm like... We also just saw that you being separate from your dad, you are sufficiently able to be lured into a trap. And, like, granted, you got yourselves out of it, but you kind of lucked out on that front. And if this demon is as powerful as John is implying it is, then it's going to have more allies. It's going to be able to put you in a trap again. And then aren't you in the same boat of... John having to make the decision of, I'll just let my boys figure it out and hopefully they won't be dead at the end? I don't know. There is there is some logic happening in this episode that I'm like, mm, <laughs> okay, Kripke, what are your thoughts on this? 
Well, I I think this is more of a plot has to get from point A to point B because basically the yes. conversation goes, let me come, let us come with you. We can help. No, you can't. And then like, go we're alone. going to put a dot on this eye here by having the fucking Deva show up, having it attack all three of them. And fucking John starts getting sliced up. And, I mean, we've skipped over the whole hug and it's good to see you again, son. It's been too long, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, okay, so Sam and John have their moment and then it's torn apart horrifically by this Deva that's ready to fuck them all up. And Meg is alive and this shit is happening. And... Like, what, what's the lesson we're supposed to take from here? Like, family is dangerous. Having loved ones is dangerous. It will get you killed. Like, I think there's a certain part at the end of this episode where Dean is uh, supporting John's uh, decision and saying, no, Sam, we can't go with with John. He needs to go it alone. He's stronger without us. And in my notes, I literally scratched out the word stronger and wrote sociopathic. Yes. Yes. Like, his vengeance, his motive is so much about getting the thing that killed his wife and ruined his perfect family. That he doesn't realize that his choices ruined the perfect family after his wife's death and now we have his eldest son being like no he's right he's better off without us it would be better if he didn't have his sons to drag him down and make him vulnerable in this hunt do what you got to do dad because i'm just a soldier and you know i'm a necessary casualty at war here and and the do what you got to do has so many implications because so much of this like Goliath that we're building John up to be is Meg says herself he has one weakness he he's he's smart he's ruthless he gets the job done but he has one weakness and that's that he cares about you and yeah. if if we're trying to paint the picture that the only thing that he cares about is his sons and having the one thing that he cares about, um, you know, if having his sons with him is a weakness for him, then what, what kind of man is this? Yeah. Because even with the boys being his weakness, like he hid back in the shadows and watched what played out between Meg, Sam, and Dean at the yes. warehouse. Yeah. You yeah. know, and just okay. followed them back too. Yeah. Going our separate ways. I'll reveal myself if I feel like it's relevant. Yeah. But maybe we're meant to read it as a weakness that he revealed himself at the motel. That he went back there to talk to them after. That if he had been strong, he wouldn't have even done that. But if that's the case, it's like you're saying, like, what kind of person do you have at the end of that? If that is strength. Mm-hmm. Someone, someone who can go head-to-head with the ruthlessness of a demon and come out on top. Yeah. 
yeah, losing humanity in the process. But that's strength. Don't worry, boys. That's strength. Mm. Well, we, 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 while we're still in the apart, the apartment, the, the motel, um, we have John having this emotional moment with Sam. You know, it's been too damn long. We, the last time that we saw each other, we had a, a hell of a fight. And Sam isn't sure where they stand now, but John is um, welcoming him back, which I I found funny because Sam's whole thing this episode is I don't want to go back, Mm -hmm. but but he's still seeking John's approval in this moment. Well, how easy it slips back into him. Yeah. Being back in his father's presence. How easy it would be to fall back in line and how much spine, how much fortitude it would have taken to step away. Yeah, that that is a good point because Sam is just a clone of Dean in this moment. He is not putting himself forward in any way. He is just waiting for John's cues. Yep. Ah, and maybe some of it is just shock of not having seen him for years and also combined with he's usually such a force of nature in their lives that they take their cues from him. Old habits die hard. Yeah. This interaction is interesting. It's a lot yes. to chew on for yes. for, you know, the first reunion that we're seeing. Yeah, and I will say probably a lot more than what was intended. Yeah, well, I mean that's it. That's the show. We're we're not here for the laughs, B. <laughs> so yeah, as mentioned, the Deva appears, fights all three of them. John's getting his ass kicked. Sam does some quick thinking and grabs a flare from his duffel bag. And when it ignites, it fills the room with light, which dispels these shadow demons, and it gives them sufficient time to climb their way out of the motel room. They run outside, and um, John's truck and the Impala are both parked in this alleyway, and they are deciding what to do next. Sam wants to go with John, but Dean is the one who points out that they can't go with him because they almost got their dad killed and he's stronger without them. Yeah. The demons will use them to get to John. Yeah. Uh, B, B, did your soul leave your body when Sam yelled, shut your eyes? No. Oh, come on! Tell me more. <laughs> For... The angels! Shut your eyes! I'm so stupid, Remy. I'm flare... The the flare of light, the... Oh, I like it. I just, you know, it just brought me me forward a little bit. Brought me forward? I like that. (laughs) (laughs) It made me... It made me have a... Aw, I want season one cast. I mean... We're getting a wonderful fic of it right now. Cass, Cass could have f- flared out the the Davis and destroyed them in the process. Yeah. Shut your mm. eyes. 
Okay, I'm happy now, too. <laughs> well, so, Dean is saying that John was right, and that um, if they stick together, then that's just putting John in danger, and John is better off without them. You know, I I think Dean says we almost got Dad killed back there. Yep, which yep. is wild. Yep, like it's like it's his fault that that Meg came for them. Yeah, and that John reunited with them. Like, oh fuck, he took a moment to be a dad, and he almost got killed for it. Like, what bad kids are we for existing? God, and. It's fun. It's fine. And here is Sam's Slither moment number two of the episode, which killed me in that Sam is saying so 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 Dean says, No, Dad Dad's right, Dad has to go on alone. And Sam says, No, after after everything that we've done, after all this time, after after mm-hmm. After all this time that we've been looking for you, Dean is saying we have to let John go. And what does Sam do in this moment? He turns to John and he says, no, you have to let me be part of this. You have to let us come with you. You have to uh, let us join the fight. Yeah, I, and not even, like, us, really. It's, I need to be part of this fight. True, true. But what You gets know, me... like, if you're going to do this, and if, you know, maybe Dean's a weakness, but I can be useful. I can be ruthless if you need me to. That's true. I didn't think about it that way. What I, what punched me in the chest here was Dean looking to Sam and then just knowing that what Sam was doing here was not disagreeing with Dean, but ignoring Dean to appeal to John because if John Mm -hmm. says, then Dean would go along. So, so Sam was straight up like, I, I don't need to convince Dean in this moment. Yeah. I just need to convince John and Dean will follow. Yes. And I don't even care what Dean wants. I just have to get John to make Dean do what I want. Yes. Fuck. Because because when 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 Sam turns to John after Dean is the one that says, No, Sam, he can't come with us. Dean you can see it in Dean's face that yeah that he he just looks to the ground because well and like after the conversation that he and sam had in the motel together you know what is it that come on you have to have something that you want for yourself yeah i want us to be a family again and then Sam being like, well, that's not going to happen. And here Dean is given the opportunity that if he wants to be selfish, he can push for this and be like, yeah, dad, you really need us to go along with. But, you know, there's been a level of uncertainty raised about 
like that guilt being raised that we talked about where, you know, I only pulled Sammy back into the life for my own selfish reasons. And now that he's provided this other opportunity to be selfish, he's shutting that down. You know, the one thing that he wants is his family together. But here he is saying, no, it's not safe for you to stay alive, for us to stay alive. We have to stay apart. And so he's putting aside his quote-unquote selfish needs and then having to witness Sam completely overstep that and be like anyways I want to go and what I want is to work on this case and Mimi that's what is going to happen yeah yeah and if I can convince John then John can order you to step in line yeah yeah There's a lot to that little bit right there. Considering, again, if we're going to be rational about it, it's just the writing that they needed to have happen because Jeffrey Dean Morgan is not appearing in every episode hereafter. But to look at what is happening with the characters here, you're right. Like, the very Slytherin motives that Sam has going on right now it's so fascinating and dean's level of selfish desire that he's pushing down mm-hmm. for the sake of his family again um is just heartbreaking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. yeah just all all dean does is sacrifice and here is sam it, stepping straight over the the line that Dean is trying to set to say uh, no I I have to I have to come with you yeah and and John John does turn him down says no you have to trust me son you you've got to let me go which I, I, yeah. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be, like, if that was maybe an intentional um, uh, parallel to what Sam said to Dean earlier. And, you know, when this is done, you've got to let me go. But. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because what snagged me was this idea that he says to Sam, like, you will have a role, just not yet. Mm. Like, like, that to me feels like exactly the line he needs to say whether it's true or not in order to get sam to step in line Mm, like yes you'll be involved but not yet you know i have a plan just wait and you will be rewarded yeah yeah trust me yeah and then using that that. to get sam to step back down yeah yeah which he does and yeah they part ways John in his truck, Dean and Sam in the Impala, and as they're leaving the alley, we see Meg emerge from the shadows. Yeah. She watches them go. Yeah. To be continued. TBD! TBD! So, that... Here we are. Here we are. Here we are at the end. Here we are. And Do you and want I to go want first? No, 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 B. No. I want from you just shed shed the layers. Be 100% your authentic self and tell me 
when you think about this episode, what is the one thing that is your final takeaway? Oh, God. I don't get any, like, word association (laughs) that we can play here. Come on. Come on. What? What's the... What's the one scene, the one line that just kept you up at night? The the fucking be a human again, be a person again. Nice. Like how dehumanizing that thing is to say to Dean in that moment. Because to Sam, it's like a role that he puts on. This hunter is just a persona. It separates him from people. But for Dean... It's his life. It's who he is. It's his identity. And he just found out that his brother doesn't even consider it human. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 Sam is pressing, saying, like, how can you not want something for yourself? And Dean just... In, I can just imagine that his deepest, darkest self is screaming, screaming, screaming... I want the world, but I can't have it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's trying this very parent line of, we're not going to talk about this. We're not going to broach this subject. And then when Sam pushes and the subject gets broached, well, then that's where Dean pulls out like the most id, the most child version of himself the most baby want that was developed within him which is just i want my family oh yeah 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 okay yeah (laughs) what's yours what's your strip away the onion layers what's the one line that gets you oh it's when sam turns his back literally turns his back to dean to say to put his hand on john's shoulder and say let us come with you or i can't remember if it was just let me come with you i i don't either but it was like it was either we have to come with you or let us come with you let me come with you because he it, it it was also the blocking in that scene where yeah. they're standing in the in kind of a triangle and Dean I mean Sam is facing Dean because Dean is the one that says Sam we have to let him go and Dean turns away to face John head on and then extends an arm blocking you know excluding Dean physically yeah from the unit that 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 Sam is trying to establish between him and John to say yeah let you got to let us come after all this time that we spent looking for you you got to let us come i have to be part of this fight it was it was just a lot after it, after the conversation that they had that Sam and Dean had earlier in the motel yeah. room Dean, we are a family. I love you and I would do anything for you. I'm sorry. Did I just say I love you in the words of Sam and our Dean Dean Winchester in a Kripke written episode? That would be too fruity (laughs) 
for a yeah. man to say. Sorry, the fucking masculinity will shatter if those words are spoken out loud. It's just this high-ringing operatic note that shatters every crystal in the room. Let's let's talk more about our downstairs brains. I know, right? Stripper Graham, your girlfriend's a bitch. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it, to for for Dean, I'm sorry for yeah, actually for Dean to have made himself so vulnerable, and then Sam uh, responding to that, um. And inviting Dean's confidence by saying, look, I, I, I understand and I, we are a family and I would do anything for you, but, but not, not the one thing that you really want, I guess. Um, but anyways, going from that to, uh, I would do anything for you to them in the alley and Sam just completely disregarding uh, Dean's own opinion on the matter. And not only that, but, but, but intentionally going above him to try to get him in line with what Sam wants. It was a big thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if at this point in season one, we're meant to draw conclusions of who is the most parallel to John's characterization. But we've had some stuff like in Bugs, where we had um, Dean very much in line with whatever his father was asking him. And those type of character beats where we're meant to say that... Dean is the one that is most like their father. But in the scene you're describing, that's where we really get the sense that no, like Sam is the one that is actually very aligned with John in that he can be very ruthless when it comes to getting what he wants, especially if that thing that he wants is revenge for someone he loves. Yes, yes, absolutely. And as you alluded to, uh, in later seasons, we do more directly draw those parallels where Dean will call out, like, you, Sam, were always, you know, more like John than you would have liked to admit. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know why I said specifically Dean. I think that that comes from multiple corners. Uh, Yeah. I think when considering season one, like the characters we have at hand and the moments we have at hand, that it's definitely Sam looking at Dean, Dean looking at Sam and seeing what they recognize in the other that is like themselves, that is like their other family members and just, you know, kind, recognizing kind. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely something that comes up uh that sam rebelled from john because he saw too much of himself in john yeah that you can't have two personalities like that 
and have one really bow to the other for long. Right. And then Dean being stuck in the middle. Yeah. Playing the peacemaker role. Right. Right. But don't worry. He thinks so much with his downstairs brain and he gets a lot of action and just, you know, he doesn't know how to read a book. If I had to pick a, if I had to pick a, uh, a second takeaway, it probably would have been that name the bat last book that you read. And oh my god! Then the Kill Bill sirens that went off in my head. Yeah, because that is one of those contentious characterizations that comes up both within the show and with you know Fanon, mm-hmm. because we have differing opinions from various writers about how book savvy Dean is or how invested Dean is in reading. And it's seems like that one in an episode written by the creator himself that I'm like, oh, you don't even know who you're writing. Like, Again, I make the joke of being Kripke's therapist this episode, and I did not earn my money, I can tell you that. I was not a very good one. But it's really fascinating to see how how Dean is written, knowing what purpose the they thought they were giving him, mm-hmm. and then how drastically that differs from what we actually see on the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it before, and I would say not even thinking about what we know the character grows into, but just this season alone, the past 15 episodes, it yep. is, cr- it's crazy how, uh, how much, like, I think I mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, but how much the perspective on Dean fluctuates because we already have so many different um, facets of the character that we've been uh, building up uh, for, for Dean, but coming to Kripke here in this episode, it kind of felt like it went right back to episode one, episode three. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, episode three. I'm so sorry, (laughs) Dead in the Water. I didn't mean to do you like that. I meant episode two. (laughs) Okay, thank you. I was like, okay, yeah, three. (laughs) When did he go? When did he go? Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's a testament to Jensen as an actor that he takes all of these contradictory points that they're giving him. And rather than being like, okay, that was weird. That's not the character that we've seen so far. He is able to incorporate these nuances and then make a really complex character from the contradictions. Yeah. 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 I will also say that I loved Meg this episode. You made me only choose one. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm. I'm, we're not, I'm falling we, out the window now. <laughs> How are, could you? How could you? Look, you're right. I just, <laughs> I just had to put that out there. We don't have to talk yeah. about it. And you, I and, mean, and I didn't mean to put so you good. in a box. I didn't mean to put you in a box. B, I'm sorry. You can also share your takeaways. No, but I like Meg too. I really love. And Meg. I, this episode just makes me be like. It is buckwild knowing where this character goes, 
that they like started with her being a love interest to Sam. <laughs> That's I was also thinking about that when watching this, trying to think about Meg in future seasons. Did they ever I was trying to think of a conversation between Meg and Sam or anything like that. Did they ever allude to her origins? Or did they did the series as a whole just be like, no, that never happened. What are you talking about? (laughs) I think that. I think that. I think it was very much that. They're like, we're gonna forget that we made her straddle Sam in this decrepit warehouse with his brother, like two feet away and then have her like breathing sensually in his ear and the craziest thing is that i also thought about with this episode was that we have meg and she is ultimately written out at the end of the season i believe spoilers not spoilers (laughs) sorry uh temporarily written out at the end of the season and you know what we do we immediately create a new meg and call her ruby and call it a day yeah it's some of the choices on this show you're just like again kripke i want to sit you down i want to put you like a little bug in under a glass and just be like answer for your crimes <laughs> tell me Tell me why, why you did this, because I just don't understand. I, I don't think you'd be satisfied with the answers, babe. No, because the answer is going to be like, oh, we just thought we would get more money if we hired a different actress. We just thought that we'd put 20,000 bees in a room. We thought it would look cool. And then I'm like, I, I, I can't believe I was just this... <laughs> unhinged old man crawling my way up a mountain to ask not even a yogi not even like a guru just ask some little bald-headed man from the midwest what the fuck was going on in his head and he's like nothing and i'm like no oh boy i mean i 100 percent acknowledge that my quest for answers is fruitless i would never pursue him in real life looking for answers like if he was at a convention i'd be like how can i be far away from here (laughs) but it's just a sometimes a fascinating thought experience of like you know what if we could breathe underwater you know like that level of fruitless (laughs) but interesting philosophical philosophical Questions. <laughs> Philosophical questions. Ph- ph- falafel? Falafel. Ph- Pancake yeah. and waffleful thought processes. That sounds about right. I mean, got it in one. That's the mood for, for this episode. Apologies to everyone listening. I cannot believe how little coherency fits in my brain. Once the sun goes down and I get sleepy. Oh, I'm sorry, B. I'm sorry that I tried to put you in a box and say one takeaway and then I gave three. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. We were sitting here. We're like, we're going to record this. And I'm like, fuck. Yes. <laughs> 100% culpable in what has happened. I 
that the level of um energy in this episode nicely matches the I agree. I agree. We're giving levels. We're giving layers. We're giving range. And maybe it involved the word erection a couple too many times. But that's what you get on Supernatural, baby. You're like, oh, I didn't want a dick reference. And they're like, but we made one anyways. Four, in fact. I mean, it should be less. It should be more. It's unpredictable. And that's what you get when you play Russian Roulette. Well, this was an episode, and it was season one, episode 16, Shadow. And yep, if we haven't lost you by this point, <laughs> thank you. Next week. And you're welcome. <laughs> and you're welcome. <laughs> Next week, we will be covering uh, season one, episode 17, Hell House. Oh my god! You know, <laughs> I said earlier this year I could have sworn that the Ghost Pacers got introduced in a later season, and it came as quite a shock to find out they're in season one. I can't. I can't. I like literally the Netflix preview for um this episode was a single line. That said, Sam and Dean discover the power of the internet. Oh my god. It starts. Hell house. It's happening. Hell house. Hell house. Yeah. We will see you next week. You know where to find us on the internet. Thank you for sticking with us this far. Do come visit us on Tumblr, Twitter, our website. (laughs) <laughs> the places on the internet where we may be found. I'm like, do we have an Instagram? No, I don't even have an Instagram. What the fuck is my uh, brain doing? <laughs> we don't have that. Just come see us on Tumblr. We talk about it a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you. And bye for now. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. bye.